You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Bridge to You podcast, hosted by yours truly, Monique Russell, where we focus on diversity, inclusion, and understanding for Black cultures through conversations that help us connect to ourselves and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bridge to You podcast. I'm your host, Monique Russell. Today in my guest chair, I am excited. I have Dr. Shanae Marsh Beckford. And let me tell you something, y'all. She is passionate about all things human capital. She helps us make the complex simple when dealing with performance, organizational leadership, and diversity and inclusion. Her work is affiliated with psychological bodies such as Society of Emotional Intelligence, the American Psychological Association, the Society of Industrial and Organizational Psychologists, and the International Coaching Federation. She's a Miami girl, loves to be outdoors. She's a mother. She's a wife. I can't wait to dive into our conversation. Welcome to the show, Dr. Shanae. Thank you so much for having me, Monique. It's really a pleasure to be here with you as well. I'm ready to dig in, have some good, good conversation here. So here's the thing. I mean, you are in the field of the mind, the body, the spirit, like you have committed your life to this industry and not just this industry and this work, but in organizations, corporate organizations. For many people, this might seem like, what are you doing? Like you're pushing a boulder uphill, but not for you. I have to ask, I'm so curious, like what prepared you for this level of organizational impact? Um, I think it was a job experience that I had. Um, You know, when you're working in corporate environments, there is a need to conform. You become a part of a culture. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that you're doing in those moments and you don't realize, you know, you're on this team, these things are happening. But, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of want to start to think about the self and all of that mashup you have going on. So um, I think what kind of pushed me was seeing that there's a true need for us to be individuals at the same time while we're working within these organizations. Although we're a part of a team and we're a part of a company, we still are authentic individuals. And it's, it's important for us to find that that person that's within us and bring them out. Okay, so tell us about this job. Like what what was the experience that pushed you or propelled you to say, you know what, y'all need some help, okay? I'm going into this forever and ever, amen. (laughs) So I was working in organizational procurement and I was, you know, it's such a delicate um, area to work in. There's a sense of loss and then there's also a sense of gain as you go from donor to being a recipient of a gift that a donor has left back to you. Um, And there was just a lot of chaos with the organization from top down, you know, people weren't feeling like they were a part of a community. I mean, 
even though you are, it's, you know, there's that tribe there. There's just, there's something about it sometimes that you just don't feel like it's all for you. The organization is not all for you, even when you're all for it. So um, I think it's very important that when, when I look back, you know, seeing how that kind of pushed me into wanting to help others within organizations, uh, it's, it's such a feat to do, but I also love being that champion too. Okay. I love what you said. Like sometimes you're all for this organization and they're not all for you. I know a lot of people that I work with sometimes experience that. I think it's something that, you know, it, it, it has become such a commonplace experience that people have in the workplace. And I, I'm not sure how to get around that. I'm not sure what would be techniques or strategies for someone who is feeling sort of ostracized or feeling like, you know, I'm giving more than I am actually receiving. I'm not feeling included. I don't feel like I belong or whatever have you. What advice can you give to someone who might find themselves in that situation and they really want to do better, but they just don't know how? So first I'd say, don't take it personally. And I know that sounds like a a cliche statement because everything that happens to you is kind of personal. But at the end of the day, organizations have their mission. Um, they have a vision. They're trying to reach these specific goals. And I think it's important that we kind of take ourselves out of that in order to realize what our mission is. What is our vision and what goals do we have? What are we trying to achieve throughout our life? So if it was for me to have to come in and say, you know, what are some practices or strategies that you could do? It all starts with self-awareness. And Monique, I've heard you talk about self-awareness so much. It is a staple in almost every single thing that we try to track out to do in our lives. It, you know, it starts there. Realizing your value and your worth. And only this is only a season within your life and your career really helped me to understand that this is right now. This doesn't mean that it's going to be something in the future. I don't need to hold on to this and I'm in control of what's going to happen next. So, I, you know, I encourage folks to kind of take control of their lives, you know, setting those boundaries and really find out how to manage their energy in a way that's going to fuel and propel them to the next level. And you're so right. We talk about emotional intelligence all the time. And I know sometimes it's hard for people to see themselves objectively, you know, to see themselves or even to know what level of awareness they have, how they're coming off how they're interacting with other people. But when I tend to see people who are aware and open, they've gone through something or, or many things in their life that has helped them to build this resilience muscle. I don't think that it's just an overnight experience. And I'm curious to find out from you, you know, you, you have been labeled or you know, termed as the person who is always able to be calm in the midst of the storm. And I want to know, where did you get your resilience from? Like, what what helped to shape this for you? Oh, definitely motherhood. Um, I know a lot of women out here who are in the professional world. And personally, you know, motherhood is a journey that brings this character out of you that you probably didn't know was in there. And when you find that woman, um, you never know where she's going to bring you. Uh, motherhood was definitely what pushed me uh, to really just explore and be okay. Because as a mother, 
You don't know what the future holds. It's unpredictable. You have no way of mapping it out. There's no plan. There's no, nobody can really tell you how to do it. Um, when you get out there and you see yourself really accomplish the things that you set out to accomplish and you see the fruits of your labor in your children, it's the most rewarding uh, thing that you could ever do in life. So it was motherhood. Number one. Mm, yeah, as a mother of two boys, I can tell you it has definitely been one of the most rewarding experiences. It will stretch you, it will challenge you, it will push you. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like to your point where you said, you know, there's there's parts of yourself that you don't really know that you have until you're put into a situation where you really need to dig deep and pull those resources. Was there every any um, any time or moment or story that you can remember that you were like, you know what, this moment for me really showed me what I am made of. It's like, you know what, Shanae, you you good, you got this. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, you know, I'm a teenage parent, um, and the moment that I kind of knew. I had it was when I still made it through high school. When I first found out that I was with child, my guidance counselor came to me and he said, you probably need to go to a school for people like you, you know, where you can kind of thrive in an environment and you won't have to be held down by the constraints of public school. And I was like, no, that's not what I want to do. I'm a still an honor student. I can do this. You know, I've, I've got this. And to see someone else have that doubt in me um, at that early age, it was almost like, I have to do this. I am going to make it. I have to make it. And I don't have to change my school. I don't have to change my environment to do that. Whatever environment I'm in, I'm going to make it and I have to make it. I have someone who's depending on me now. There's nothing that's going to stop me from getting where I want to be in life. I think that's such a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. I see the parallels to what you do right now because it's like, yeah, you don't really have to change your environment or you don't have to change who you are in order to still achieve those goals. So when I hear you talk about working in the corporate space and for someone who may not know how to begin to have that journey of self-awareness or develop that authentic relationship with themselves, the person who is depending on them is them. It's you. It's yeah. you are the person depending on you. You you are your your own child. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's propelling you to dig down deep, and you're counting on you to make sure that your environment is safe. So in the space of safety, we talk about wellness programs, wellness strategies, and I think that wellness is a advantage for any organization or leader that is looking to stand out because so many people right now are burnt out they're overworked they're overwhelmed or if they're not they're really in that space of trying to decide what's next what can I do next what's for me some people are even shifting industries completely so when I think about wellness at work specifically in these corporate environments Sometimes the intention is good, but the output or the outcome doesn't always align with the intention. What do you think leaders are getting wrong with this approach to wellness in the workplace? 
Oh, that's such a great question. As, as someone who has recently made one of those shifts from one industry to the next, I can definitely see where there are differentiators when it comes to running wellness programs and getting those strategies into the workplace. Um, what I think is really happening behind that is there's a notion that there's a one size fits all approach when it comes to wellness programs and organizations. And that's just not going to make it for individuals. And we know that that's the, that's the same thing we talk about when we talk about equity and equality. Um, if you give people the same things, they're, they're not going to get the same outcomes out of it because what works for one doesn't work for all. So I think that it has to be a little bit more customized to the individual at the individual level. Um, what leaders are kind of having to step back from is having so much um, control over, you know, the employee's time and what the employee's doing. Uh, wellness is really employee driven at the end of the day and employer supported, not um, employer driven and then employee supported. So not vice versa. Um, but it really takes for them to commit to giving people the flexibility or even the space to be able to invest in themselves. Um, and not, not only just a daily practice, I'm talking about whenever the moment of inspiration strikes. Um, we can't have set times of when we want to do wellness. Wellness is something that we should be constantly focusing on in all of our activities, whether that's reflection or, you know, a simple walk to your car. There's things that we can do there that seem so hard to do because of all the responsibilities that we have or all the things we have circling in our minds just to take those moments to pause. I think organizations rarely take moments to pause. It's an uncomfortable um, thing for them to want to do. You know, they have their eyes on the prize. They need to get there. And the only way to get there is keep going. But strategically pausing is very valuable. I think that they have an opportunity to really look at what they're doing, pause and really think about it. Like, is this something that's giving us the return on the expectation that we were, we were hoping for? Not just the return on the investment. I think there's a lot of focus there as well, um, but really return on the expectation. Is it really meeting the needs of the employee? Is what they're doing really working? And are they investing in doing some type of analysis to see that? Mm, that's really good. So many things are coming up to my mind, especially when you said wellness is employee driven and employer supported. Then when you yes. started talking about um, not giving, it's not being a one size fits all. I think a lot about the show and it's, this show is called Bridge to You for a reason. It's about diversity and inclusion among black cultures. And even within black cultures, there's so much diversity. And I also feel like it's very hard to personalize at that individual level. What would that even look like in an organization that wants to get this done right? Well, first I would say, how would you define wellness in a corporate space? And then how would that look? Mm -hmm. Wellness in a corporate space. So I think about that from a holistic point of view, because wellness is not only physical, it's not only mental, it's emotional and it's spiritual too. And I don't mean spiritual in a religious type of way, but thinking about a person as a whole person and not just the employee that we see on a day-to-day -day basis when they come into work. 
the way that that looks in practice is based on what that employee needs. There's no way to actually know what that's going to look like until you dive deep into those conversations. Most of the times we are covering at work where we don't want to expose ourselves in certain ways and be vulnerable to what we need. And having those conversations is probably a step one. But when you think about just wellness at work, there's a lot of other things that are going on in the workplace that need to be accounted for. And wellness is a way to do that if it's done in the right way. That's awesome. So starting to have those conversations, um, would that look like having small groups or during the one-on-ones or when would you suggest us having those intentional conversations? So there's a lot of communication channels we can use, Monique. It doesn't have to always be the leader having that conversation with a direct report, even though it could be in a one-on-one. It could be just a small group of individuals, and it can be something that's done on the fly. It doesn't have to be something that's time-consuming or anything like that. Or it can be in group settings. You know, they have affinity groups in organizations now that really provide that safe space for people to share and experiences, share and be vulnerable, especially if they're run really well. Um, Yeah, it doesn't have to be leader to direct report. It could be peers doing that. It could be teams doing that. I think it's something that has to manifest within the culture. It depends on the culture. If the culture is top down, then it, it would be probably more challenging to have those conversations going out instead of up and down. But I think when we think about putting these strategies into place, it starts with the leader because if the leader's not modeling that and supporting that, and if the organization's not modeling that to the leader and supporting that, it's almost a trickle down effect that happens down to the individual level. So we have to be very intentional about having health, healthy habits and behaviors and also demonstrating that and giving people the empowerment to say, it's okay to take a moment during work. If Just because you're not on the screen doesn't mean that you're not being productive or taking those five minutes to do a breathing exercise um, is not something that's helpful. So just really promoting that more at every level of the organization, up, down, and across Um, I think that that makes a difference in what they're going to see as a result. I love this. So reflecting, I heard you talk about reflecting. I heard you talked about breathing, walking to your car. Although if you're working remotely, I mean, you could walk, you can walk to your car (laughs) in the driveway, maybe, but I can, there's things you can do. There's things you can do as a remote worker. (laughs) Yes. Yes. What can you do? Breathe. You can have water cooler conversations, a lot of things to be encouraging the whole aspect of wellness at work. I often hear people talk about creating a learning culture and uh, learning culture, but what about a wellness culture and what does that wellness culture look like and how can, how can any team or organization or parent um, lead their family towards a whole experience or um, culture of wellness. That's one thing that I am hearing loud and clear. And I love (laughs) that you talked about the whole motherhood aspect, because like I said, it's all about building that resilience muscle. I want to jump now a little bit to your uh, focus and emphasis on diversity and inclusion. 
uh, diversity and inclusion is something that's really near and dear to your heart. And can you give us a, a little bit of insight into where the passion started? Ooh, where the passion started. It quickly followed uh, graduate studies. Um, I was working with my mentor and coach and we were really trying to get folks to understand generational differences in the workplace. Um, as millennials, we were a younger generation that was coming into a profession that has been historically um, white male, uh, historically older white male. And the field that we're in in IO psychology is really fairly new to the that whole industry or that whole background. Um, so we were on a mission to really get folks to understand what millennials need in the workplace to help them help us help them. <laughs> and I realized very quickly that being a part of that network, there was so much diversity in the learning and development space. And I had a I had an encounter with one of the participants um, that really not only rocked me, but also gave me the fire to continue in this area because he was from the Middle East and the way that he thought about millennials in the workplace was something that was unexpected for me. You know, being in America, not having traveled that far, um, hearing someone else talk about, you know, the luxuries that we have as employees in this country, that they see it quite, quite different, that we needed to work harder. And, you know, the, the, the people above us didn't need to understand us. We needed to kind of come conform and get the work done really made me take a step back and think like, okay, if these types of cultural differences are going on in this little space, just imagine how much of that is out there in organizations and how do we align and make sure that we're not, coming off from a perspective that we need special treatment. It's just that every time we have a new wave of generations that come through the workforce, there's going to need to be some change and some flexibility. We're all focused on different things. And, you know, I, I almost felt like maybe calling them generations wasn't the right thing to do in that moment. Let's not talk about millennials because it boxes people in. Um, and it made me realize, you know, when we're thinking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, that spreads far. That's a world perspective. That's a world point of view. It's not just where we are right now in this moment in our lives. So I think that experience made me get the passion for this area because there's so much opportunity and so many people that you get a chance to interact with and make sure that you're understanding what their culture is like or where they're from or you know, seeing things from another, another lens. Mm, I love this so much, so much. <laughs> oh, we, I love it because I deal with so many different cultures every single day of the week. I mean, I live 24 seven life of a multicultural woman, right? So I grew up in the Bahamas. My dad's from Nigeria. My husband's from Togo. I live in the United States of America mm. and I travel a lot. And just dealing with clients, helping them to understand their own bias, their own difference. I mean, I can totally relate and understand that experience that you had. So that experience, you're like, you know what? Y'all need to get some understanding, okay? <laughs> we all do. We all do. <laughs> Y'all need to get some understanding. 
So I really want to dive a little bit deeper into that because the intercultural communication challenges, they happen when we're not aware and they happen when we really don't take the time to have these discussions or conversations. And I love that you focus on the millennial aspect uh, because there's so many different ways that people look at millennials, look at boomers, look at Gen Z's, Gen Y's. I have four generations in my home. And I want to know if you were starting over, because you've already been in the industry for a number of years, you've had great success with the people that you work with. If you're starting over from day one, thinking about what you've experienced and what you've gone through as a young black woman and a young black mother uh, and a young black wife and all the other um, aspects of you that you have shared with us, what would you have needed or what would you have wanted from someone who may not have been aware of how to engage with you? More exposure. Um, I come from a city where I've had four to five generations of my family all live there. So it's very tight knit. It's very close. Um, I, we know everyone who's here and there's new people that come in, but there are several people who have been here for decades. So if I, I think I would have liked more exposure so that I could kind of position myself better when I when I went out there from day one. Um, but to be able to approach me or connect with me, just really having enough exposure to my life and their life and really have those talks about it, um, I think that would have been helpful for me going in it would have removed some blind spots for me. It would have allowed me to learn about other cultures before going into the workplace. I mean, you know, we go to school with a lot of different people from different places and spaces, but you never really dive into their culture. It's more on the culture that you're living in in the moment and what what's being pushed out to us in that moment or whatever's going on. But I would have loved to be or expose myself as well to other cultures so they could better understand who I was, where I'm coming from, and then I could learn about them too. So this is great. This is you before you're coming into the workplace. But now let's say you're you're coming into the workplace without that exposure, or you've, you've entered the workplace without that exposure. Um, so imagine that there's somebody who is brand new who is in your situation where you were years ago, what type of tools or conversations, resources, what solutions would be helpful for someone at work just starting who may not have that type of exposure? In other words, how can we help you help them help them? <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> the thing you said, help us help them help you. Something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Diversity Inc. is one of the staples that I've gone to to learn about different things and get tools. Um, their platform is just chock full of resources and literature and practical ways to learn about other people from all demographics, whether it's about disabilities or cultural aspects or, you know, the months that we celebrate, Women's Month, everything. It's just it, Diversity Inc. is a staple and they have so much that we can leverage um, 
just trying to start out and learn about different things. Uh, learning <laughs> is the one thing that I would tell that individual to do like every single day. Make sure that you're learning something. Take yourself out of your norm. Uh, go into a discomfort zone and really learn something about others that you did not know that when you walk into a space and you, you know, are engaging or connecting with someone that you've done the research on, you can use that as a talking point. That's a way to build relationships. People are very enamored when you know something about their culture because that's unexpected. There are some things you're just not going to know just because of where you're from and what you're doing. You're not exposed to it. So having that as a tool to go out in the workforce, if I'd have had that on my day one, <laughs> I couldn't imagine where I'd be right now. Wow. Okay. So this is good. What other suggestions would you say for a millennial or even a Gen Z, mm -hmm. a Gen Y? What, now I'm forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who is in their first or second job, someone who's starting from college and they're in their first job, what are their tools like do you think could help them enter the workforce with more awareness and exposure? That's a good question. Awareness and exposure and other tools. Um, LinkedIn for networking. There are so many folks on there that want to connect with people that want to mentor that want to guide um i would definitely suggest that as a resource as someone first coming in um another resource i'd probably want to leverage is the connections that i've had uh, or that they've had when they're in school because those actually can lead out to other connections um what other resource would I suggest? Or what, or, or what can they do at work? Like at oh, they work. Can definitely network at work. <laughs> Find somebody who's, who seems like they'd be totally opposite from you and engage in a relationship with that person. Find someone who is doing something that you find, maybe find odd or you find interesting or, you know, put yourself out there. Get those feelers in. Make sure you're meeting different people and hearing different perspectives and engaging with different people from the start because everybody has a gift that they're going to give you at the end of the day. I love this. I'm going to have to send this episode to my son uh, because I always encourage him to do that as he's starting out. But I know sometimes the young people, they feel very hesitant in terms of connecting and taking that first step. But I am happy to have you say this because I will tell him <laughs> to play this back over and over. See, this is what I've been saying. <laughs> so, thank oh, you gosh. so much. So this has been such an incredible conversation because I really am happy to hear you talk about wellness. Wellness is something that I know everyone can benefit from. It's not something that is left for a select few mm -hmm. or for someone who has a higher title or who's been in the organization for a longer period of time. But you gave us some really good ideas on incorporating that time for reflection, going for a walk, breathing, having conversations, because it's really all about that physical, emotional, and spiritual aspect of well-being. 
I really like how you got into the intercultural communication piece, because I think that ties so beautifully to wellness, because when you're able to understand each other, you're able to have better relationships, you have less stress, less frustration, less misunderstanding, and that all leads to a part of your spiritual connection, seeing someone as a human being, you know, not as, as someone who has a bias or has a limitation that you're, you're placing on them. So Dr. Shanae, before we begin to wrap up, is there anything that you'd like to share with the listeners that we have not discussed? You know, I, I would, um, Monique, thank you. I think just to double down on the, the self-awareness and the reflection piece, you know, we can go beyond that. We hear it a lot. So then it kind of becomes a moot point, but let's get some soul awareness in there. Let's spend some time connecting with ourselves um, and really listening to the self-talk that we have going on in our minds, listening to our body with the symptoms that it's telling us about, taking those moments of praise and self-compassion and loving ourselves and not doing it as something that I'm putting on my calendar, doing it in the moment, not making it a daily habit, making it a whenever habit, all the time habit. So you hear me talking about the walk to the car, that's me immersing in nature. I am enjoying the sun. I'm looking at the wind blowing. I am feeling the the weather, the temperature and looking at the butterflies or listening to the birds chirping. It's about those little things that we don't take time to really enjoy in this life. So, you know, move beyond just self awareness and self-reflection and really turn into you um, and get to know your soul. It's a relationship that you have with it. So take advantage while you can. I love that. And if anyone wants to connect with you and continue this conversation, can you tell us a little about where they can find you and how you can help them? Absolutely. So I can be found on LinkedIn, of course, Dr. Shanae Marsh Beckford. And I also have my own website, ShaneeMarsh.com, where you can connect with me. You'll get all of my contact information there. Um, and how do I help people? So as a coach, I love to engage in conversations with clients and really help them come up with their own strategy to becoming the person who they want to be in getting a wellness mindset to be able to go out there and give their authentic self to whatever it is that they do on a daily basis, whoever it is that they're around every single day and make an impact on the world. So I'd love to hear from everyone who's interested in learning more about themselves or doing a lot of that introspection and yeah. Well, thank you so much, so much for blessing us and gracing us with your presence today on the Bridge to You podcast. And for all our listeners, until next time, take care and be well. Thanks for listening to the Bridge to You podcast. Visit clairecommunicationsolutions.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, or Instagram at clearcommunicationcoach. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.